It is exactly 13 minutes after 7 o'clock. Welcome to Metro VM Talk. I'm Tamin Gubeni. Sitting in tonight for Ayabong Atawe as we get into our business wrap this evening. A very warm welcome to you, market analyst and CA, Sinesipo Manindra. So good to have you with us tonight. Um, thank you, Tammy. How are you today? I'm, I'm splendid. I'm splendid. And happy Women's Month to you. <laughs> Cannot <laughs> love we're having this conversation on Monday, just the two of us. Look, we have to, necessary conversations. But I was just saying earlier on to everyone that tomorrow is actually a very big day for us on Metro FM Talk as far as women conversations are concerned. So um, I just hope you'll be tuned in. But look, let's get into today's issues and um, start with Transnet. So what, what's happening with them? They're looking now to, to the private sector to, to help build a new port in, in the Northern Cape. Um, okay, so Transnet has um, issued a, re- um, a request for um, qualification, and what that basically means is that they're looking at um, assessing market appetite, um, willingness from both a capacity as well as a funding perspective um, to build a new port in Milan Cape. The reason being is that um, I'm sure we've, I think that we've been mentioned and it's been reported that Transnet has had severe capacity constraints and if you look at the Northern Cape um, you've got um, zinc um, copper operations there and a lot of these uh, miners have to transport very far to the other ports and it makes sense to build a port um, closer by. Um, I think this is on the back of a lot of the restructuring that has been happening from a value sheet perspective of Transnet. They closed out their funding. Um, they've had um, they had a very very clean audit report, and um, it, it, it is one of those things where it is just one of the things where they're setting themselves up for growth. Um, they've it, it's been a lot. Um, that's, that's been going on. Um, I think that, when, but when you think about the fact that there's a new port, we have to make peace with the fact that it's going to take a few years. And the last new port that was built was in one in my home province, Koha, and that has not been the most successful, mainly because of lack of um, investment. The investment that was supposed to kickstart um, the development has not has not materialized, but we're hoping um, that this one has a bit more promise because it's closer to mines. And I think part of the failing of Goha was that it, it wasn't attached to specific um, um, mineral sectors in order to uh, in order to just uh, take off. But it, it is quite interesting uh, with the work they're doing. Uh, um, but yeah, we shall see. Is there any discussion of, um, because it is an investment, of, of what the, the split will be between uh, Transnet and uh, potential investment, or is it still early days for that? Um, so it is still early days, the exact mechanics, because I think based on the inputs from the private sector, where they can see sort of what is the appetite, that's, I think, when we get into that level of detail, when we get to that level of detail. They have, obviously, as the main project sponsor, they've been, they've committed to the process, the exact specifics. I think we're still very much far away from that perspective. I think far away from that perspective because I think they still need to just um, get validation from private sector in terms of what is available, what is the willingness, and what can be um, 
put in the bank and what can be used to fund the project, and then you have to get commitment. And a lot of that, it hinges on currently these are unknown variables. So then we need to close out that information first before you get into the exact economics of it. But high level, they do know indicative what it would cost. The specifics of it is still very much a wait and see. I mean, what's quite interesting, if you're looking at the price tag, just the first phase of this project is going to cost an estimated 13.8 billion rand. Um, and, and that includes the, the new rail link. Uh, and that amount is going to be funded you know, from the fiscus. So it, it really is not going to come in cheap. So really looking forward to see what the eventual price tag is and, and how that particular deal ends up being structured. Uh, but, but moving on now to Kapalship, the, the, the Turkish company, They've really been wanting to supply South Africa with 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 energy. They won the bid um, and will be supplying us or should be supplying us with over one thousand two hundred megawatts of power or around that region. But they are hitting some snags. Uh, give us an update on that. Yeah, the snags are mainly, unfortunately, the environmental assessment. So. Just to um, take a step back, um, car power in the risk mitigation round, which was um, um, launched and uh, supposed to be announced in the beginning of 2021, it was launched in 2020. Car power was one of the winning bidders. Unfortunately, when it came to the environmental assessment, which is where they're falling short, they were not able to close out um, um, all the information requiring the environmental assessment. Um, so they got taken. Um, they were denied. Uh, they were denied uh, the EIA uh, by the environmental minister, as well as it had quite a bit of um, uh, blowback from um, blowback from um, a few environmental NGOs um, regarding the the, the damage um, to the ecosystem uh, that could occur. Um, that would happen if they were to be allowed to do the power ships. Um, unfortunately, I think, um, for me, this is mainly a process perspective. Um, it's when you don't um, do the process correctly, you dot, you dot all the I's and you dot cross all the T's, and uh, things like environmental assessments are, are quite, from a certain perspective, are very, very detailed and you just have to get through the process. Unfortunately, it's unfortunately um, they have not been a, they were not able to be granted a EIA, and you can't do the EIA, you can't construct or commission. So therefore, I think I'm not sure where they're going to be going from there because ultimately, um, this is required to close out the funding, as well as um, to close out the funding, as well as to to start the project. I think um, one of the arguments that they made um, in their submission was that if you delay this, you are going to promote and load trading for a longer period of time. Albeit true, and this is not one of the arguments that were asked to be considered. I guess um, it's got to be done right, as you say. And it's got to no, be done right. No cutting corners. You can't, you can't. You can't. And especially when you, when you look at... Um, EIAs and um, part the irony is part of um, what was announced by Cyril was to look at amending some of the regulations as it 
as it pertains to obtaining EIAs. So in, on one hand, so we've got two schools of thought. On one hand... I'm going to um, ask you, uh, Sinesipo, just to hold that thought for us just for a moment. We'll continue our conversation just after this break. Oh, I'm telling you, I I love that intro jingle. It gets you dancing and it really just puts you in the mood for some engaging talk. Sinesipo, we were just in conversation and talking about Kapaship and you were mentioning the importance of URAs and actually doing the, you know, following the process legitimately and making sure that no corners are cut as far as the Kapaships are concerned. Yes. Um, yes. I'm um, sorry. Unfortunately, unfortunately, they're without an EIA, which basically puts their project to a standstill. But on what I was saying beforehand was that you've got a lot of the renewable energy lobbyists uh, promoting that the EIA, which they're also required to get some of the regulations be um, suspended. In some cases, um, the level of consultation amongst host communities be limited. So it, it, it depends on who's arguing on which side. I'm a believer of the EIA process because I think that if we think of the impacts of climate change and um, one of the things that I, I, we noted was, I noted was, I was like, it's August and it's warm in Joburg. We are not supposed to have this level of weather in winter. We're not supposed to. And the things of climate change, I do believe in the EIA process. However, it, 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 it's quite ironic that depending on who is on um, the side of we've got, you can't be protecting against car power, uh, not compliance to EIA, and at the same time, because it's solar and TV, which is um, solar and when you're asking them to weigh some of the requirements, (laughs) it's one of those. It's one of those. So it, it, it depends on whose side of the argument that you're on. But unfortunately, the process is a process. The law is a law. It's very clear. You just need to follow it. And, and you know, the environmental impact assessment process is is one that is pretty standard um, in in any sort of um, you, you know construction or any sort of deals of of this nature and of this magnitude. Um, but let, let's move on to to Com Air now, Mango Com Air and the suspension of, of their licenses, what are the main reasons uh, given for that, for council suspending the license? Uh, they're both in professional liquidation. Um, so, um, 
both mango and calm air are in provisional liquid liquidation and as such they have they, they've had their licenses suspended unfortunately that puts a cobblestone in their ability to restart operations you've got mango who has an unknown investor they haven't being publicly disclosed and who provided proof of funding a few weeks ago, if they were to be sustained, license to be suspended, they have to reapply with the license and that could delay their restart. So it puts it it puts literally um, um it, it increases the timeline for both uh, processes because although Com has gone on provisional liquidation, they did disclose that they have received um um, some solicitations from bidders wanting to buy the license by the by by the brand at um, discounted rates, of course, um, at discounted rates, of course. But at the same time, you've also lost um, on top of this um, air traffic license. You've also had a British Airways, which has also um, cancelled their franchise agreement with Com Air. So it delays operations, and meanwhile, um, in the market, in the local, if a local market, aviation market, there is a very big um, gap. There's a very, very, very big gap, and those of us who fly frequently can feel it in the cost, on the cost aspect of it, this gap. So we would want these guys to restart operations as soon as possible, so that the prices can be somewhat reasonable. Um, somewhat reasonable and somewhat um, not ex- um, exploitative currently. But you, I see what they were doing with it. Cause I, 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 find it, I do see where they were going with it because you are in provisional liquidations. Why should you have a license? You're not going to fly anytime soon. But it does put a, like I say, it does put a bit of a time delay. But because but the the, the 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 business rescue practitioner Usipo Moyo, his argument was that they're so close to actually finalizing um, an investor mm. that there has been interest, and so suspending um, you you know the the licenses for two years is likely to have an adverse effect on those negotiations. What are your views on that? I agree. I agree because um, they signed. Um shareholders and prove funding in July already. So if you look at the timing, they could be operational from September onwards. And once you suspend the license and you have to restart the whole process, they're going to miss um, the peak season, which is December. And you're also going to, um, you might find that the shareholder who was invested might not be willing to, might not be willing to, um, to actually um, invest furthermore because of this delay. So it, it does, I agree with him, but also at the same time, um, Mango has been on the delegation for so long, um, we, we, I'm not sure if, if, if they will ever get operational because you have a situation where you have come air, come out of business rescue, be operational for three months, and then shut down again. So I think from that perspective, they're looking at from that perspective. But at the same time, I'm a believer that they shouldn't because we have to think about the jobs on the line. We've got to think about these very few people willing to make the investment. So 
it, 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 you can argue on both sides. Uh, you can argue on both sides, but fundamentally, um, but fundamentally, um, this does put in a time delay, and you can only hope that people is able to negotiate um, for the re for the reapplication and signing of the license to be, to be quicker, that they don't. This still doesn't fall through because I think that it's taken so long to get to that point. If we look at Mango, it owes 2.85 billion rand to creditors. Um, it has 183 million rands of unflown, uh, you know, ticket liabilities. Now has been suspended for two years. What is the possible worst case scenario here, and and how is that going to affect the shareholders? Mango, remember this. Mango's sole shareholder is the government. <laughs> is the government. So, or rather, how is it going to affect the, the shares? The, the, so for them, you're not looking at the debt position. You're looking at the market. The, you can trade yourself out. So basically, you're buying an existing operation, and you just you can trade yourself out of the debt. So any new investor is not going to pay the debt to the, the credit right now. They're going to look to trade out. So from an entrance perspective to the aviation um, sector, aviation space, I should say, this is one of the cheapest input costs at entrance that you can do because you've got an existing brand. Um, you know there is a demand for it because there is a gap. There is, if you look at, with even with, it's, it's been... Um, it's been increased with the exit of ComA. You've got a situation where there is a 40% gap in the market. So you're sort of guaranteed tradability cash flow from day one. Um, regarding the tickets, they're not really a liability in that you can move the tickets to credits. Again, you're trading yourself out of that. So the actual cash uh, injection is no is nowhere near that 2.8 billion. Um, it's not it's not that amount day one. So you can sort of look at it from that perspective. Versus if you were to start a very new airline, you'd have to build brands, you'd have to, and it would be more expensive for you. You've got, you in, in the case of Mango, you've got um, some staff, although all of them have been retrenched, majority of them have been retrenched, you could always call them back in. You've, you've got a set operation. It just makes life easier. Like I said, it's more to do with the input costs. Uh, from a government perspective, government has decided um, through the Department of Public Enterprise that they will no longer be um, doing any cash injections to the airlines. So they've said that what we've paid, we've done, we've paid, we've paid. Um, uh, someone else needs to step in. So I think that's sort of where it's looking at. So and from an opportunity perspective, it's, it's actually a very, it's a very, very easy sell because everyone always looks at the $2.8 billion, the, almost $3 billion, and I'm like, no, that's not what you're going to pay day one. Zono estimates that, you know, should there be the worst-case scenario and should the airline end up being wound down, that creditors are likely to only receive $0.10 cents in the rand, according to his estimates? $0.10? Cents, I think he was being generous, more less than that, if you look at where the asset base of Mango is. Less? Far less than that. So even like I said, um, the worst case scenario is the creditors um, lose everything. So I think ten cents is being generous. <laughs> I think it's far less than that, especially when you think of the fact that Mango has 
almost no assets, um, has almost no assets. So I'm not sure where this 10 cent calculation came from, but um, it would be far less than that. So that would be the worst case scenario. So it's also in the creditor's interest that the airline restart operations to increase their ability to um, recruit some of the funds that they had lent the airline prior. How does this impact the the global or rather the domestic airline industry? And, and I mean, also looking at the fact that um, SA Express uh, also, uh, you know, those licenses were, were cancelled. Where does that leave the, 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 the state of airlines in, in, in SA? Well, um, it, 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 airlines have failed numerous times in SA, but it's it, it's not unique to South Africa. Many numerous airlines have failed globally. It's just that our market is so small that we feel the impact of it. Far, we feel the impact of it as as consumers far quicker. But ultimately, um, the airline industry is one of the highest risk industry that anyone can enter into. And South Africa is not unique. That's what I always bring to people. South Africa is not unique. It's not unique about it. However, from an entrance perspective, there's been too much capacity removed from the system. So you actually have to. There's a greater need to um, for for new entrants to join the market. Whether or not they'll be successful or not remains a story. Remains remains up in the air, and how long? And if you look at the likes of um, um, Flight FA, um, Semlink, um, Lyft, they're all still operating. So there is still, and Lyft is part of the consortium to buy FAA. So there is still there is um, there is some level of demand. It depends on how you run your business. And I think um, if you look, if we forget. COVID and we take off the black swan that is COVID. Com Air was a successful business for over a decade, close to two decades, and it can be again. Um, I don't think anyone uh, could have predicted a situation where there was no commercial uh, flights that were happening in a country for months on end. So if you take that event, that black swan event, you do have a business. And I think we need to go back to that. And, and and talking about airlines and and you know I guess you know luxury brands if one could could look at them in in that way last week um, some very strong earnings were reported by the world's two largest luxury conglomerates showing once again that you know I guess the rich get richer and, and the poor get poorer while you know some of the world speaks of possible recessions or entering recessions um, it, it looks like uh, it's it's not a common fate. Those who are moneyed are are splurging on you know the designer handbags and and big brand name cars, but things seem to be getting tougher for those lower down the food chain. It's unfortunate. The rich get richer, the poor get poorer. Um, so two things. Um, so you've obviously got a situation where you we I think we also need to understand people were not traveling for two solid years, so they had money. So they could only spend money on things. So just from a human perspective, on things, on things, so luxury brand items. Secondly, um, the, the world's largest brands, like, if you look at LVMH, um, have pushed in um, 
double-digit price increases. And and that also helps a lot with their revenue, um, and which has contributed to their new record highs of profitability. And, but it also speaks to the growing global inequality where... Um, where those who are wealthy remained wealthy, while those who are struggling, it's even become worse. And and it, it, it really, it really is one of those, um, really is one of those unfortunate things. Um, um, and yeah, it's so, yeah, it's mm. the rich. Some people were not. Some people are not experiencing this recession. This yeah, recession. It, is, Dif- it's, it's, different it's, realities it's, for it's, different it's, people. It's like some of us, some people are not experiencing a recession. Some of us are in a recession. Some people are not in a recession. And it's quite unfortunate, but it, it does speak to a lot of the structural inequality that we have globally. And um, even when you look at Liberty Two Degrees' um, results, they spoke about the foot traffic, specifically in Diamond Walk, and how... Within the other sections of the malls, it's it's been slow to pick up. Whereas in the area of where luxury is consumed, it's been doing double-digit growth. And, and it's you, been doing double-digit growth. And, and and if you look at the sales, for example, of of champagne and 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 cognac, uh, they saw uh, like momentous growth in the first half of the year. Um, you know, fragrances, skincare, luxury cars, Gucci. Uh, you know, Louis Vuitton, all of those, those are the brands that are are basically fast moving for the wealthy uh, around the world. And it just shows how the inequality gap is without a doubt just growing wider and wider. Yes, it is. Like I said, it is. It is. It it is incredibly unfortunate. It, It is quite unfortunate. And it is quite unfortunate because um, of where we are, but these are still businesses, and they have an active market for them. For real. There is an active market, and there are people willing to spend thousands and thousands and thousands. I personally am not one of them, but there are people. There are people who want to and can. And, and, and as you were saying, uh, unfortunately, there, I was like, well, it depends on which side of the fence you're sitting, you know, whether it's unfortunate or not, as far as being able to, you know, splurge on all of these luxury brands. But Sinesipo, we'll leave it at that for this evening's business wrap. Thank you so much for the insight. I think quite a lovely bouquet there of uh, various business stories for the day. You have yourself a splendid evening further. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's uh, Sinesipo Manindra, market analyst and a chartered accountant for our business wrap today. Anything there that you'd like to comment on, send us a voice note on 060-552-7303. I'm particularly interested, for example, if you are um, a former employee or an employee of Mango Airlines and what the suspension means for you and your family. Have you been retrenched? Had you been retrenched? And we're looking forward to hopefully going back to work as talks for um, you know potential investors seem to be escalating and gaining some momentum there and and also uh, talking about these luxury brands uh, i mean are you one who splurges in 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 luxury brands and and if so uh, you know what are those brands that you do splurge on or is it just too tight to even think of of luxury right now is it just a matter of survival and making sure that there's food on the table the kids are going to school and all of this luxury stuff can 
pretty much wait for another lifetime. Send us your voice notes on 060-552-7303. When we return in just a moment, we'll enter and take a look at the headlines.